in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. of God, we will study tonight chapter 9 from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. First, let me give you a summary of the chapter. St. Paul started by telling them that he doesn't need to write about collection because of their willingness. So there is no need to write about collecting their contributions because they are willing to send their uh, contributions to Jerusalem. But why is he speaking to them about contribution? Because he felt it necessary to send the messengers to ensure that their gift is ready. And their gift should be a gift of generosity, not gift of obligation or complaint or compulsion. He meant that if he went to them and they are not ready, and then he start to speak to them about their contribution, maybe they will be embarrassed and then they will give. So this giving here will be out of compulsion, will be out of obligation, with complaints. But St. Paul said, no, this is not the right thing. Because God loves a cheerful giver. That's why he sent the messengers in order to make them ready so when he goes to uh, Corinth, there will be no collection. And another reason, if he goes to Corinth and he found them unprepared or unready, this would be embarrassing to St. Paul and to the church at Corinth. Especially St. Paul spoke about their generosity, their willingness, their readiness to give. And if some Macedonians went with St. Paul to Corinth and they found them unready, this would be embarrassment for St. Paul about what he said as well as embarrassment to the church at Corinth. Then St. Paul reminded them with the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. So if you reap scarcely, sorry, if you sow scarcely, you will reap scarcely. But if you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly. So St. Paul told them, I want you to sow with liberality with abundance. So God actually will give you in return an abundance because God loves a cheerful giver. And he spoke to them about the ability of God to give them abundance for every good work. To give them many, many riches in order to grow and increase in every good work. 
That's why St. Paul concluded by praying that God may multiply the seed that we have sown, the contribution that they sent to Jerusalem. God may multiply it so that they will be enriched in all things. And this would make them give more with liberality. And he told them, your contribution does not only uh, satisfy or supply the needs of the poor, but also it motivates everybody to give thanks to God. When you help the poor, you are not only giving and supplying for his needs, but when the poor receive, you know, the help, actually he will give thanks to God that he sent some people to help him. And concluded, St. Paul concluded this chapter by giving thanks to God. Let's read verse, verse, and this is a small chapter, just 15 verse. So let's read verse first and try to understand it. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous to me to write you. It is superfluous for me to write you. St. Paul calls the poor the saints. So when he said ministering to the saints, he means to serve the poor, to support them, to supply to their needs. Why St. Paul considered it as superfluous for him to write to them about uh, ministering to the saints? Because they already start collecting for the poor one year ago. So St. Paul actually feels that he doesn't need to write more because they were fully instructed and actually they had begun the work, collection for the poor. So he told them, it is superfluous to, for me to write to you. Verse 2, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. St. Paul explaining why he feels that it is not necessarily for him to write to them about collection. He told them, because I know your willingness. I know your readiness. That's why it seemed to me that it is not necessary to write to you about collection. And St. Paul actually took the churches at Corinth as an example to Macedonia. And he told them, see how the churches in Corinth collected this money for the poor, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians. That Achaia, he refers to the churches of the province of Achaia, of which Corinth was the capital that Achaia was ready a year ago. So actually they had begun the collection one year ago. And when St. Paul used the Corinthians as an example, this actually motivated many other 
churches to collect money and send it to the poor. As he said, a new seal has stirred up the majority, motivated the majority in order to raise some money and send it to the poor. Verse 3, yet I have sent the brethren. He spoke about the brethren in chapter 8. So, Loma, uh, St. Luke, and Titus, and Apollos. He sent these three brethren, yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready. St. Paul now explaining to them why he sent the brethren. If they were ready or they started the work one year ago, maybe they started but did not continue. So St. Paul told them, I already put you as an example. And I boast about you before other churches. So now I want my boasting not to be in vain. That's why I sent the brethren to complete the work that you had begun last year. And when I come to you to be ready. So that's one reason why St. Paul is sending the brethren. In order to make them ready and to finish the work that they started one year ago. So his boasting about them before other churches wouldn't be in vain. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain, in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. So he wants them to be ready. Verse 4, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. St. Paul is telling them, when I boast about you, I boast with confidence. I am sure that you will be ready. But let us assume that you did not finish the ministry that you started one year ago. And you stopped collecting money for the poor. And most probably, when I come to you, some Macedonians will come to me, will come with me. So if some Macedonians came with me and we found that you are not ready, I will be embarrassed. Not to mention you also will be embarrassed because I boast about you and I told them you were ready from the last year. So as if my boasting about you was in vain, so you will be ashamed and I will be ashamed. Lest if some Macedonians come with me, and find you unprepared, we, St. Paul, not, make, not to mention you, and also you should be ashamed, will be ashamed uh, of this confident posting. Although we boast about you with confidence, but now will be ashamed. So he sent the three brethren so that they would surely be prepared when he comes to them, and if the Macedonians should find quarrels unprepared with the collection when St. Paul comes, 
uh, it would fill St. Paul and the church at Corinth with shame. Verse 5, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. St. Paul is giving them another reason why he sent the brethren to collect the money. Not only to be ready before the Macedonians and his boasting about them will not be in vain, but there is another reason. As he said, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. I sent the three brethren to you ahead of time. Why? To prepare your generous gift beforehand, to make you ready, and to collect what you promised last year, which you had previously promised. And then here, the second reason. That it may be ready as a matter of generosity, not as a grudging obligation. Some people give with cheerfulness. Some people give because they want to give. But other people give because they are embarrassed. They feel obligated to give. And God, St. Paul is saying, God will not approve your giving if you give it out of obligation, if you give it out of compulsion, and then you will complain about it. That's what he meant here by grudging obligation. If St. Paul went to them and told them, I want to collect the money now, and the people start to collect, maybe the people uh, give now out of obligation, not happily, not cheerfully. That's why when Pope Shikuda came as a patriarch, he stopped this habit to collect the money in plates. Because here we embarrass the person when actually to present the plate to him to give his offering. And some people may give out of obligation, out of embarrassment, not because they want to give. And as St. Paul will explain, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give out of obligation. Don't give and after this you complain. And giving here is not only about money, but any source of uh, service. For example, if I come to you and I ask you to do a certain service in the church, and maybe you don't have time to do it. Or maybe you are not interested in this service. Or maybe simply you just don't want to do it. But you feel embarrassed because I want to ask you to do this service. So you will do the service, but meantime you will complain. And you do it with grumbling, with grudging. St. Paul said, this is the wrong attitude. When you give, you need to give with generosity, not 
as a grudging obligation, not as grudging um, obligation. So he thought it necessary to send the brethren that the work might surely be completed as an abundant gift and not as obligation done with complaints. From verse 6, St. Paul explains the principle of the cheerful giver. The cheerful giver. He said, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. St. Paul is saying, giving is like sowing. If you sow one seed, then actually you will reap small amount of fruit. But if you sow many, many seeds, then you will reap many, many fruits. So whatever you sow, you will reap. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So whatever you give, God actually will bless it. Whatever you give, God will bless it based on how much you give. And here again I'm speaking not only about uh, giving money, but any sort of service, any kind of giving you give. Verse 7. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, St. Paul is re-emphasizing the fact that you should not give out of compulsion or you give while you are complaining with, uh, grudgingly because this attitude will not be approved by God. Let no one give uh, grudgingly or of necessity. Necessity means with compulsion. You feel obligated to give. But give as you purpose in your heart. What does it mean by as you purpose in your heart? Your heart should approve your giving first. And your heart should be happy about whatever you give first. Then if your heart you're happy and you purpose to give that much, then actually you are pleasing God because God loves a cheerful giver. So the giving must be done cheerfully. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. St. Paul here is comparing giving with sowing. When the farmer actually sows the seed, who will make this seed grow and multiply and bear fruit? It is God. So St. Paul is saying, the same God who makes it the seed to grow, multiply, and increase, the same God is able to make all grace abound toward you. 
So when you get, God will bless you with every sort of blessing. God is able to bestow upon you every blessing, temporal as well as spiritual. In this uh, life here and in the life there, temporal as well as spiritual. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Why God will give you? St. Paul is saying God will give you abundantly, so you will have sufficiency in everything. And when you have sufficiency in everything, actually, you will give more. You, you may have an abundance for every good work. You will have extra money to help the poor more. Let me say it this way. If God saw that you have a kind heart and you help the poor generously, then God will give you more because you already have kind heart and you will help more. And God here is sure that if he gave you, you will spend it on the poor. So God will not hesitate to give you more and more and more because you are generous. But if God saw you uh, stingy in your giving, you don't give liberally or with abundance, God actually will not entrust you with more money because he will say, if I give him more money, he will keep the money for himself. He will not distribute it to the poor. So St. Paul is saying in this verse, uh, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able to bless you with every sort of blessing. Bless you with a cheerful giver. So that when you have sufficiency in everything, you may abound in every good deed, in every good work. Any opportunity you will abound in. And actually this passage, we quote it in the Divine Liturgy, uh, in the litany of the waters, the wind, and the sea. We say that if we have sufficiency in everything, we may abound in every good deed. The English translation is correct, but the Arabic translation is not correct. And actually, in the New Liturgy book, we corrected the Arabic translation. Sufficiency was translated in Arabic, kafaf. أغلب الخلاجيات كتبها الكفاف كل شيء غلط الآية هنا صريحة if we have sufficiency الكفاية عن ربنا المدينة كفايتنا في كل شيء نزداد في كل عمل صالح always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work 
So the faithful steward will be trusted with more. The faithful steward will be trusted uh, with more. Verse 9, as it is written, written where? In Psalm 112, verse 9. So St. Paul now will mention a verse from Psalm 112, 112, verse 9. This psalm starts with, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So in this psalm, David speaks about the man who fears the Lord, and this man does not hold tightly, but dispenses abroad by giving to the poor. And because God sees this person giving abundantly to the poor, so God will give him abundantly too. So his righteousness, what he means here by righteousness, the righteous acts, the righteous deeds in giving to the poor. So this righteousness may endure forever. So God will give him abundantly in order that his righteousness, his helping of the poor, when he gives the poor, actually uh, will endure forever. So he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor his righteousness, endures forever. So God will supply him with many blessings in order to keep his righteousness, in order to keep the virtue of giving to the poor. From verse 10, St. Paul is praying on behalf of the Corinthians that God may bless them with every spiritual blessing as they help the poor at Jerusalem. So in verse 10 he said, Now may he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He said, it is God who supplies the seed to the sower. So God gives the seed to the farmer to sow. God gives you the money in order to plant it and distribute it to the poor. God gives bread for food. In the same way, he gives us this money to help others with the same money. May God supply and multiply the seed you have sown, your contribution that you send to Jerusalem. May God multiply it uh, and increase the fruits of your righteousness will be increased. The fruits of your righteousness will be increased, uh, which means that God will give you more and more in order in the future to give more and more abundantly. Verse 11, God will give you abundantly while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. God will make you rich in everything, rich in virtue, 
rich financially, rich spiritually. And here financially it doesn't mean you will be a billionaire or milliardaire, but here to be content and you will have enough to give to the poor and you will be content and happy while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. God will enrich you, God will make you rich so that you will give with liberality, you will give with abundance, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Your generous giving will make the poor give thanks to God. So actually you are not only giving the poor, but actually you are motivating them to praise the Lord, glorify His name, and give thanks to Him. So as they are enriched, their giving will be with liberality. When God enriches them, their giving will be abundantly, and this will cause thanksgiving to God on the part of the recipient, the poor. Why St. Paul said through us, he said, cause the thanksgiving through us to God. Through us because St. Paul coordinated, was like the servant who coordinated collecting money from Corinth, sending it to Jerusalem. Like any social service committee, they coordinate, they take the money from here and send it there. So St. Paul said, these people who take the money from here and send it there, actually glorify God, because when they send the money there, they supply their needs and motivate them to give thanks to the Lord. Verse 12, for the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. St. Paul is saying, two things result from your generous giving. Two things. What are these two things? Number one, the needs of the poor are supplied. Number two, their thanksgiving to God increased, became abundant. So, administration of this service, this service of ministering to the poor, not only supply the needs of the saints, but is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. And here, I usually I say to the social service committees, I tell them there is big difference between you serving in a social service committee and between any philanthropic society. Any philanthropic society or committee, they serve only supplying for the needs of the people. That's why many of these societies are atheists, but they just supply the needs of the people. But for a Christian committee, to help the poor, this committee should keep as a goal glorifying God and give thanks to God. And this is a big difference between a philanthropic society helping the poor and between a church helping the poor. When the church helps the poor, not only they supply for their needs, but also they give thanks to God and glorify God. That's why the, the way we collect the money for the poor should be right. I heard about organization here in America, in order to collect money for the poor, 
they brought an actress from Egypt and they did auction on her jewelry in order to raise money. I'm sure this will not be glorifying God. Glorifying God means to use the proper ways of collecting money and the proper way of distributing the money. So, here St. Paul told them the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. Verse 13. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. They glorify God. Who are they? The poor? No. He's not speaking here about the poor. St. Paul, in verse 13, is speaking about some Christian Jews. Christian from Jewish background. Who attacked the Gentiles. And they were questioning and casting doubts whether the churches of the Gentiles are churches of Christ or not. So St. Paul said there are two more blessings in sending this money to the poor at Jerusalem. So the total will be four blessings. The first blessing, you supply the needs of the poor. Second blessing, they will give thanks to God because of your generosity. Number three, the Judaizers. Judaizers are the Christian from Jewish background who are attacking the Gentiles. So these Judaizers, when they hear about how the church at Corinth is supporting in love and in generosity, the church at Jerusalem, which is a Jewish church or Christian church of Jewish background, then they will know they are following the same gospel, the gospel of Christ, and they will glorify God. And actually, their false accusation against the churches of Gentiles will stop. That's what he said here. Through the proof of this ministry, when we saw, when we see how generously you give in order to support your brethren in Jerusalem, and why the Jews in Jerusalem became their brethren because now in Christ the Jews and Gentiles are one. We became one in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Gentiles are supporting the Jews now. Through the proof of this ministry, they, the Judaizers, glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. They will know that your faith, your confession, is obedient to the gospel of Christ, who said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And because you give them with generosity, not only them, but with everybody. That is the third blessing. So such a gift would tend to open the minds of the Judaizers and to remove their prejudice and they would admit that the Corinthians are subject to the gospel of Christ. What is the last blessing? As I told you, there are four blessings 
in sending money to Jerusalem. Number one, supply the needs of the poor. Number two, the poor will give thanks to God. Number three, the Gentiles, or sorry, the Judaizers will know that the Gentiles are obedient to the gospel of Christ. And number four, which is the last point, verse 14, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Actually, you will motivate the Judaizers not only to stop attacking you, but also to pray for you while they are longing to see in order to see the grace of God that is abundant in you. So, filled with affection for you, the Judaizers filled with affection for you, and longing for you on account of the proof they had of God's grace to you, they will glorify God by praying for you. This is the fourth blessing. So the Judaizers will not only be in peace with the Gentiles, but also they will be longing to go and see them and meet them and to pray to God on their behalf. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace for God in you. As you know, St. Paul uh, struggled a lot with the Judaizers. And many people accused him that he defiled the temple because he was uh, preaching the Gentiles. But now St. Paul is seeing how God united the Gentiles and the Jewish together in Christianity. That's why he ended the chapter by giving uh, praise to the Lord. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He said this gift, the grace of salvation, the cross which united the heavenly with the earthly, united the Jews with the Gentiles, united the man with himself, this gift is indescribable. Nobody and no tongue no language can express the, the depth of this gift. That's why he said, thanks be to God. St. Paul burst out in thanksgiving to God for his gift, the gift of salvation, which no language can describe, which broke down the enmity between the Jews and Gentiles and make them one in Christ. Glory be to God forever and ever.